Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. Pastor started a uh, series last week called Legacy. Um, and you'll notice our numbers are a little light today compared to what we normally run on a Sunday. You notice that the youth section here is a little thinned out. Well, they're, uh, they're at the Jesus Culture Conference. They're on the way, or they'll be on the way back today. And Pastor Terry uh, drove them down there. Um, so may God have mercy on his soul because he's got to drive them back. <laughs> better man than I <laughs> but uh, he wanted to continue he wanted to have part two of legacy and, and for those of you who were here Wednesday we had a joint service in here with the youth group uh, and the adults and we bridged the generation gap Wednesday the beautiful service powerful service and it was poignant because it led us to today because we're going to bridge the generational gap again today we have six individuals from different generations who are going to come speak to the hearts of not only today's generation but generations to come so if what you hear today we're putting a time capsule and open in 50 years by that frock youth group and they watched and listened what would we have to say to them today? And this is being recorded so that when they come back, they can watch it. So our youth group's not going to miss what goes on today. I wanted to make sure of that. But you see the chain here. Pastor Terry brought this out last week, the chain that represents our lives and our legacy, what we leave behind, our life from point A to point Z. And we're going to have people speak today who are at different points in the chain in their lives. And they're going to speak from what God has given them, what he's put in their hearts. For the youth of today, the youth of tomorrow. But that's not to mean that every adult or every small child in this room and in this building should tune out. Because I've got a feeling that every person who speaks and every message given will point to the heart of every man in this room. So I pray the Holy Spirit open us up to receive because I believe all six of these speakers have a word. And at this time, I will bring up our first speaker. Uh, I love this young lady and I love to hear her talk because when she says something, she's got a way about her. When she opens her mouth, people stop talking and they listen to her. There's a wealth of wisdom that comes out of her. And when people stop what they're doing and pay attention, they recognize that. So, Miss Kitty, I'd like you to come up and start us off today. All right, give her a hand now. We got some folks up here who aren't used to doing this. Probably got a bundle of nerves up here with most of the folks. So you got to get behind them. Give them an amen. That's okay, too. Well, I say we start from the oldest. <laughs> I prayed about this with Terry Cromwell. 
maybe this will help somebody. Uh, I've lived 77 years, so I've been through some hard times and some good times. But the good times are when I let Jesus take control of my life. And I, I've got wrote down what I'm going to say, so I'm not going to say too much other than that. If the young people of today could just realize at their age that serving God will be a good life for them. Some people wait until they're older to accept God. My husband accepted the Lord when he got real sick and he didn't live very long after that. And I know he regretted that he didn't go to church with me all those years when me and my babies went. I took my children from the time they were born all their life, you know, up until they got older and they, you know, they all good kids. But this is what I'm going to say. I just wrote it down because I forget things. I thought about what advice I could leave for my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren and all the generations of children because I love the children in this church. They are my kids, and I love them, you know, the way I love my grandchildren and want them to grow up to do good. We have been put on this earth to glorify God. That is our purpose. While traveling down here, Life will have high peaks and low valleys. Remember, neither is forever. Enjoy and praise God in the peaks and trust God when you are in the valley. I think young people need to know that there are wonderful things in this world that God has given us to enjoy. But because of sin, you will face trials. There will be times that you will find yourself worried, scared, and disappointed. We might not understand why we are going through certain things in our life, but remember, God will never leave you. There was a point I wanted to bring up there, and I, it slipped my mind, but anyway, I'll go on. Certain things in your life, but remember, God will never leave you. Always believe and seek Him. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12, for I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. I look back on my life. Oh, in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me in earnest, you will find me, says the Lord. I look back on my life at all the things, good and bad, that I have experienced. One thing I can say, God has never left me or let me down. When I think about my life, when I think back on it, God has always been good to me. I mean, I've been in church ever since I was a little girl and never left, you know, the church. I've stayed with it. And I think that that's, God's blessed me through everything. I mean, I can't think of a time whenever he didn't work things out for my good. He is the only one that we can truly depend on. You know, we have friends, and we have real friends. My mother used to say, if you have three good friends, you're blessed. Friends that will stick by you. But God is one friend that will never leave you. Amen. Never, ever leave you. So there's a few points here that I wrote down. One, life is short. 
Number two, life without Jesus will be very hard. Number three, know him personally. Not just come to church on Sunday and go through the motions, but know him personally. Talk to him. Know that he is right there. Just as you are before me here this morning, he is before us. So we can always know, we need to know him personally. Not just know him, but personally. Number four, as older I get, the more I realize this is, don't waste your time. Put that time to good use. His word and his promises are true. Spend time with God in the quiet moments of your at night when everybody's gone to bed or there's no noise or anything to distract you. Spend time with God. Number seven, sit at Jesus' feet. One day I'm going to sit at his feet. And I'm going to I'm going to be glad that I took the, I made the right choice. Jesus gives us joy, peace, satisfaction, and contentment. The hole in your heart will never be filled with things. It can only be filled with God. When he created us, he created us with a, a, a heart that longs for him. And people try all kinds of things to find that searching for things. But the thing of it is, God is the only one that can fill that void. So I encourage the young people to serve God at an early age. The plans God had has for us is a possibility, not a positively. We have to participate in that plan for it to come true. I love the Lord today with all my heart. No matter what is in this world, there's nothing here in this world that I would trade for my uh, love for the Lord. And I just want to love Him more and more. And hopefully one day, I want it to be, I want to be in heaven and I want to sit at Jesus' feet. So y'all pray for me and pray for my family. God has answered so many of my prayers. I just can see lots of times I can just see during the day when I ask him to answer a prayer and I can just see it come true, you know? So, he's a good God and my intention is to serve him the rest of my life and I hope I didn't take nobody else's time. I thought I was going to be last. I was going to ask to be last but he asked me to be first. So. Okay, thanks. Listen, we don't always say the best for last. told you you would shut up and listen and that was a strong word that was a strong word from someone who's lived in the faith her whole life so she knows the finger too so we can all take wisdom from that next on the docket I want to bring up one of Miss uh, Kitty's contemporaries um, this is a man who I'm getting to know um and I enjoy talking to him when we get the chance. And he's got a lot of wisdom in him, too. And I see it come out of him. Every time he opens his mouth, he's got something to say. A lot of people have words. Not everybody has something to say. This guy has something to say. Mr. Phil, come on up. Come on now, get behind him. 
so many things that come to mind when you talk about a legacy. But I found some scripture here that I'd like to read to you to start with. I'm in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now that's a pretty powerful bit of scripture. But last week, Pastor Terry made a statement. He said, most people who come to the Lord come by age 21. I didn't. I came to the Lord at age 36. And since then, I've reflected a lot on what I've missed. See, there's things in this world that are temporal, and there's things here that are eternal. And there's a difference. I mean, any of us who have children, we think about what we're going to leave to them. Sometimes it's homes, money, things that we worked hard for. But they're temporal things. They won't last. Nothing on this earth is going to last forever. It's all going to pass away eventually. So, when I became a Christian, it was learning to trust God, not only in the little things, but in the big things. See, if I'm sick, I can ask God for healing with an assurance that I'll get it. But salvation is altogether different. When you have that assurance, there's no problems. There's no problems we can't solve. You can call on the Lord for anything with the assurance that it's there. God has told us all through the Bible, his only intent is for our well-being, for our happiness and it's all due through faith in him. My children, I've watched them all become Christians. My son Eric attends this church. 
We have a retarded daughter who just turned 50, I'm going to get this wrong, 59, I believe. She doesn't talk. She doesn't ask for things. But I know that God has his hand on her every single day. And her salvation is assured. So what I'm going to say to you this morning and to your children and to your grandchildren, which we have many of, bless them with the greatest gift you could possibly give them, a love for the Lord. When I was coming up, my family never took me to church. They sent me with neighbors, friends. The difference is with my children, my wife and I brought them. So when I say there's temporal things and there's eternal things, don't try to run them together. They're totally different. My life is blessed beyond measure. I don't think there's anything that I have that didn't come through God's blessings. Now this chain laid out here. I look at it and I think about my life. Starting way back there. Right about now, I'm somewhere like here. But I'm financially independent. I have good health. There's nothing that I desperately need. My future is assured. My salvation guarantees me my place in heaven. So what I would say to you today is don't overlook the journey. It's well worth taking. Bless God in everything. Trust him in everything. But don't forget you have an obligation to your children, to your grandchildren, and in some cases I'm hoping for great-grandchildren. So, bless the Lord in everything. Trust him in everything. And you'll never come up short. Thank you. That's strong. That's all I can say. That's strong. Words to live by, for sure. Now this next speaker, I'm particularly fond of. I know her pretty personally. And no offense to any of you other husbands in the building, but she's the prettiest girl in the room. But she needs some encouragement because she's not used to doing this kind of thing. But I know what she's going to talk about. 
she's got a word for you. And if any of you know this lady, she's always got a word. Whether she speaks it in public or not, she's always got a word. So if I could have my lovely wife, Crystal, come up. say and I started thinking about my teenage son and all of his friends and what I would say to them and of course I could write a book <laughs> about all the things I was thinking of and so uh, I just thought well I'm going to have to condense this so through studying and prayer um, I know the Lord was telling me to tell everyone to listen and be obedient um <clears throat> And without the two working together, it doesn't really do you any good because a lot of us know how to listen, but we don't act on it. And then a lot of us know how to be obedient, but we don't know how to listen. So the two go hand in hand. And uh, I've met a lot of Christians that love the Lord and, and they'll do anything, but I've often heard from them, how do you hear from God? And... Uh, I'm still learning that myself. I'm sure, you know, we all have uh, issues with listening and being obedient on a daily basis. But if we could get it to where we could do it on a daily basis like we're supposed to, I, I really believe we could live out the perfect will of God. Um, <clears throat> Proverbs 1, 5 says, Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance. That's the NIV. And in the Message Bible, it says, The wise sayings of Solomon, a manual for living. These are the wise sayings of Solomon, David's son, Israel's king, written down so we'll know how to live well and right, to understand what life means and where it's going. A manual for living, for living what's right, just, and fair, to teach the inexperienced the ropes and give our young people a grasp on reality. There's something here also for seasoned men and women, still a thing or two for the experience to learn. Fresh wisdom to probe and penetrate the rhymes and reasons of wise men and women. And I wrote down uh, a few tips to help you learn how to listen to God. There's several ways God speaks to us. And one of those things is scripture. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Another way is through the Holy Spirit speaking to our heart. And Hebrews 8, 10 and 11 says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into the minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen and everyone his brother saying know the Lord for all will know me from the least to the greatest of them. Another way to hear God is through prophetic words, a word of, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, personal prophecy. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 19 through 21, it says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, 
but examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good. Another way is through godly counsel. Proverbs 11:14 says, where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Um, <clears throat> I believe, um, and I know this to be true personally, that God speaks through dreams. Um, he'll instruct us in dreams all the time, and we don't even know it because he speaks to us through parables in our dreams. And uh, in Job 33, verses 14 through 16, it says, For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. And uh, also through godly counsel, oh, I think I said counsel, <laughs> um, through confirmation. Uh, God will confirm things to you over and over when it's from him. He confirmed this word over and over to me this week for you. Um, in Matthew 18, 16, it says, by the, mouth, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. And the peace of God is how you know which direction to take. Um, Colossians 3, 15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. You'll always be led by peace with God. If you don't have peace, it's not from God. In um, decisions and prayer, in other words, as we humble ourselves before the Lord, seek his guidance in our lives, the good shepherd will be faithful to lead us in paths of righteousness, righteousness for his name's sake. That's Psalm 23 and 3. And that's the listening part. And, uh, of course, we all know how to be obedient. A lot of times fears will cause us not to obey. But that's where you have to increase your faith and get out of your comfort zone and and do what you know that you've heard and listened to the Lord telling you to do. Um, James 1.22 says, put the word into action. If you think hearing is what matters most, you're going to find you have been deceived. That's from the voice and then the New Living Testament says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. I also thought of teenagers with this, too. There are a lot of teenagers that know how to listen, and they know how to be obedient. But a lot of times they get distracted because they get caught up in what everyone else is doing and the people they hang out with and whatever's popular and and a lot of them won't call on God unless something bad is going on in their lives so if I had to tell them to listen and be obedient I would also tell them listen and be obedient every day whether you're in a good place or in a bad place you're not going to perfect God's will and purpose and plan for your life if you are not listening and being obedient at all times is supposed to be the center of our lives. You have to put him first. You should wake up every day and ask God, what do you have for me today? What should I do for you today? Show me the plans of the enemy that's against me so that I can overcome. And that's what I would tell the future, um, the future generation. And uh, I don't claim to know all this. I fall short every day. <laughs> and pray for me. <laughs> um but I pray that all of us would be better listeners and be radically obedient to what God calls us to do.
She's a pretty smart cookie. And I married her, so that makes me a genius. And now I've got to follow that. When Pastor Terry asked me to speak, I didn't know how I was going to look, but I knew what I was going to say. Because immediately the phrase, guard your heart, appeared in front of me as soon as he asked me. And when God gives me something like that, I tend to want to study it from all the angles to see what's being said and to get the real message behind it. Just guard your heart can mean a million different things to a million people. But I, here's what I feel like he's saying it means to us, to this current generation and the future generations. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, in the New King James Version, it says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. In the New International Version, it says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And I like this one. The New Living Translation says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That's strong. I could sit down right now and be done. But if you know me, you know that's not how I do it. Uh, so that's what the word says on the surface. But like I said, I like to, I like to see what, what's going on from all angles. So I said, let's see what the world says about this. Not that they have very much to say that's worth anything, but I, I said, let's see. So I went to goodolddictionary.com and I looked up the word guard. And the dictionary defines guard as to keep safe from harm or danger, to protect, to watch over, to keep under close watch in order to prevent escape, misconduct, etc. To keep under control or restraint as a matter of caution or prudence. I read that and I said, huh, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> because I think that's kind of what the heart of God is on this matter. But ultimately, this is the authority, not dictionary.com. So I said, what does the word say? I mean, I read the verse. I know how it reads, but what's God saying? So I did a study on the Hebrew word for guard or keep, depending on the translation. I wish Dean were here to pronounce for me because I'm probably going to butcher it. But the Hebrew word for guard or keep is mishmar. It refers to the act of guarding someone closely just as an officer or warden might keep watch over a prisoner. That's a strong watch. That's all eyes on that individual. And if he moves, you move. So in other words, that's important. Guard. Now the phrase that's translated with all diligence in the New King James Version is the Hebrew phrase mikol mishmar. It literally means more than anything else that might be guarded. So simply put, Proverbs tells us to watch over the heart 
more than anything else we watch over. That must mean our heart's important. Why do you think that is? Well, that was my question. Why the heart above anything else? Because from the heart flow the issues of life. That's what the scripture says. That phrase for issues of life is Tatzo Chayim. Again, probably butchered it, but that's okay. The word Tatzo is used to refer to the boundaries of a city. So basically this verse is saying that from the heart of a person, a road map for life comes from. So if the heart is pure or if the heart is corrupt, that's how the life flows. So that's why we guard this above everything else because our whole life's course is determined from what's in here. So again, what does guard your heart mean then? What does that phrase mean? I believe it means to value and protect your mind, your will, and your emotions. What are your mind, your will, and your emotions? That's what we commonly refer to as your soul. And that makes sense to me because your soul is what gets saved. Your soul is what goes to heaven or hell if you choose to walk away from God. Your mind, your will, and your emotions, that's who you are. That's how you think. That's how you act. That's how you feel. That's everything about you. That's your essence. And so it would make sense that that's what would direct the course of your life. So I believe that's why we're to guard it above all else. So how do you guard your heart? Well, the, the simple answer is through prayer and reading the Word, obviously. We've heard that a million times. And I think that's a small part of the actual answer, which is one word to me, boundaries. This church is on, I think the physical address of this church is 505 South Main Street. Is that correct? Okay, South Main Street's right there. Let's talk about South Main Street for a second. I don't know how long it's been there. I don't know how long it'll be there. But if it's there for another thousand years, it may crack. It may develop potholes. It may become an eyesore. But one thing will, that will never change about 505 South Main Street is the boundaries. It's not going to get any wider or any narrower. The boundaries are set, and that's where they go. On the right side, the boundary tells the asphalt, you don't go any further. On the left side, the asphalt, you don't go any further. That's what boundaries do. They tell you where you don't go any further. Personal boundaries are what define your identity. Another example would be property lines where your home is, the property plat. This is my land. This is not my land. This is where I can go and it be mine. This is not where I go because it's not mine. Boundaries in your life tell you who you are. This is what I value. This is what I'm good at. This is what I believe. This is how I feel. Anything outside this boundary, guess what? This is what I am not. 
very important thing that setting boundaries does is it gives you the permission to say no. And that's very important. Well, you might say, Herb, what are you saying no to? Well, it gives you permission to say no to anything that leads you down the path of destruction. It gives you permission to say no to a generational curse that's trying to be passed down to you. It gives you permission to say no to doubt and fear and depression and sickness. It gives you permission to say no to the enemy because you have authority over them. But most importantly, saying no means, and young people, when you watch this, I want you to hear this. It means not compromising your belief to be accepted. It means not compromising your beliefs to be loved. And that's huge. Because I believe that in particular is where the enemy has lied to today's youth more than anything. In the area of love, in the area of emotions, and can I be real? In the area of sex. That's where they're being lied to most. The biggest boundary I see today's young people having trouble keeping is in the area of sexual sin. And I'm not going to get graphic. I know there's young ones in here. But hey, if they're opening this time capsule in 50 years, I need to hear this. Folks are making permanent decisions based on a temporary feeling. What do I mean by permanent? What I mean is, is that every time you say yes to anything outside your boundaries, every time you say yes to anything sexual, you tear off a little piece of your heart and you give it away. So imagine for a second your hearts are made out of paper. And every time you say yes to boyfriend or girlfriend, you tear a little piece of paper off and hand it to them. Guess what? Paper doesn't regenerate. It doesn't, rip, it doesn't grow back. That's why it's a permanent decision. Because you lose a little bit of yourself every time you say yes instead of saying no. What you're doing is you're chipping away at the boundaries you have set. And you're making wider the road that's supposed to stay narrow. Because the enemy has deceived to the point where they say, well, I'll say yes this time. Just to this. And then the next time, you go a little further. And the next time, you go a little further. And the boundaries that were supposed to be set in stone, it's not widening. Why is that important? Well, Jesus says why it's important in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. When he says, enter by the narrow gate, because wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. So I would say, if I had one thing to say to the young people of today and tomorrow, guard your heart, and set your boundaries, and know that it's okay to say no. This is where I stop, and I don't go outside that boundary.
And guess what? If you've gone outside that boundary, I understand because a lot of us have. And there's forgiveness for that. And you can be reestablished in the faith. But my word is, say no. When it's time to say no. And who cares what anybody else says? Because they don't take you to heaven or hell. It's up to you. And what boundaries you set for your life is going to lead you down what path you go. You want to walk in his will and wait, like my wife was talking about? You listen and be obedient and follow a narrow path. The narrow path is harder. Fewer people take it. But the end leads to life and not to death and destruction. <coughs> so that's what I'd say to today and tomorrow's young people. And I hope they hear me. Our next speaker is someone I'm also fond of and I know pretty personally. Not only is she like family, she is family. She's my wife's aunt and I'm proud to call her aunt-in-law. Uh, I like Miss Ann to come up. that I'm not a public speaker, but every time I keep saying that, I find myself behind this microphone. So um, I am kind of nervous, but we're going to work through it. Um, when Pastor Terry asked me to do this, um, I wanted to say no, but about six weeks ago, I have a um, young lady who works for me, and she came up to me and she says, Ann, if I die today, would you speak at my funeral? So I thought, why is she asking me this? What, what, what do, what, you know, what does she, where is she headed toward? And so I knew when Pastor Terry asked me to speak today that I was supposed to speak because she was thinking about what legacy she was going to leave. And that was six weeks ago when she asked me that. So I just want to share with you today that, um, I was forced at a very young age, uh, because of circumstances, to think about what kind of legacy that I was going to leave. Um, just because you're born into circumstances doesn't mean that you have to stay in circumstances, okay? Um, I just want to share a quote with you that has stuck with me for a long, long time, and this is the legacy that I um, hope to leave. Carve your name on hearts, not tombstones. A legacy is etched into minds of others and the stories they share about you. That's a quote that if you really think about that, you know, I don't want someone to say, oh, there's an, you know, I've not always walked the godly way. In fact, um, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, for 44 years of my life, I went the world's way. Uh, and just recently um, is when I decided that, you know, the world's way wasn't working for me. 
so um, what I have to say comes from Proverbs um, also because I think that's a very teaching verse um, it comes from Proverbs 3 5 and 6 uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path okay just because for 44 years I didn't walk that way um, on my tombstone I, I don't know what it might say or you might run across a person that um, may tell you a story about me at a time that I wasn't walking with him and I hope that if they do tell you a story about me at that time that um, it might it might be a fishtail or it could be true but it won't it may not be godly um, and that's one of the things that you know people need to realize that our young people need to realize that you are leaving a legacy for your children for your grandchildren for actually everyone around your life because everybody whether you think that they're watching you or not you are I would just like to say as you follow your callings and gut learn from but don't imitate other people you must be the best you you can be rather than a second-class imitation of others. If you're constantly comparing and despairing instead of focusing on your gifts and paths, you will never find happiness. Let go and surrender to his will for your life. Also, as you're stepping up, you're going to have failures. You're going to have people who are going to tell you that you're not going to make it. You're going to have people who are going to tell you that you're defined by what you were raised into. And that's simply not true because you're not defined by your circumstances. When you dream, dream big. Be the change. You know, I decided, as I said, at a very young age that I was going to be the change. I was going to be the change in my family. Um, I wasn't going to head the direction of the things that I've seen. You know, uh, and as I said, I didn't always do it godly. But at the times when I wasn't doing it godly, I finally realized four years ago that he was carrying me through that. Okay. I want to leave a legacy that makes life better for those who come after me. It's not about your own fame. It's not about, you know, I thought about this too. I thought, you know, football players, they leave a legacy. Come January, those, every stat that they've made, is, it's over. Somebody's already beat those. Somebody's already, you know, those, those stats are gone. You leave money to people, once the money's gone, trust me, you're forgotten. You know, you leave, you can leave anything, and material things is not what anyone is going to remember you by. Okay? I wanted to share a passage with you, and uh, this is another reason why I knew I had to, I had to speak today. Um, 
this was, I don't know, four or five weeks ago. Um, this is a young lady who's adopted. Um, her um, mother works for me. I called her and asked her if it was okay to share this with you. Um, and she said yes. And I wanted to share this young lady posted this on Facebook about two weeks ago. She's 14 years old, uh, and as I said, she's adopted. This is what young people need to know nowadays. You know, you don't know who you have around you. You don't know what they may be going through. Show them some hospitality. Okay? For those of you who don't know, I'm the hospitality leader here. So, I'm just, it's, that's very important to my heart. This, as I said from a 14-year-old girl, Dear Dad, if you were a real man, you would have stood up. But I understand that you don't know who I am. I understand my mom did stupid things. If I ever get the chance to actually know who you are, you don't know how happy I will be. I'm hoping you're not a drug addict or an alcoholic or an idiot. But I don't know who you are, except that you don't know who I am, and I don't know who you are. Love your daughter. This is a 14-year-old girl that's going through life. She doesn't know a father because he did not step up and be the change in the chain. You know? Be the change. I'm going to share another verse with you real quick because I don't want to go long. But Psalms 121.1, I will lift my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. If you, if God made heaven and earth, what can he do for you? You have the creator of the universe carrying you through life, just turn to him. That's what I would say to the next generation. I want to say just a couple more things and then I'll get home. Hospitality is this generation's greatest tool for leaving a legacy. People are so lonely and isolated that it stands out in our culture as being unique. It doesn't take any money. It's how the New Testament church grows. They open their doors up to each other and show God's love. Simply showing God's love, they both go hand in hand. You can't show God's love without being hospitable to someone. Okay? And thank y'all. beautiful service so far and the spirit's still here and he's speaking for every one of us we've got one more speaker to come he's a fellow soldier in the faith some of you know I was a wrestler for a little while and when I was a kid I was a wrestling fan and I always cheered for the four horsemen anybody remember them that's right this guy is one of my horses and he's going to bring the final word of the day. 
So welcome Michael Lindahl to the stage. When Terry asked me to speak, God answered immediately. Let me get my papers. I'm sort of sitting out from that next generation. When Terry asked me to speak, immediately the one thing came. And if I'm going to speak to the next generation, I'm going to tell them that Jesus is the truth. So my verse of Scripture from this morning comes from the book of John. And Jesus stood before the people, and this was the feast of Passover. And He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And if I had one thing to say, it would come from this verse to our our young people, I would say to the next generation that we live in a world that tells you there's many ways to heaven. We live in a world that lies. We live in a world that worships everything but Jesus Christ. We live in a world that's against the Word of God. We live in a world where Christians will be persecuted severely for their stand for Jesus Christ. My children, you will be persecuted like I never saw. So let when I speak to you, let me say that there is one and only one way to heaven. And that's through the door. The Lord Jesus Christ. Many will come in the name of Muhammad, they're liars. Jesus said in the last day, many will come. And they'll say all kinds of blasphemous things. And they're going to bring a word that's false. And they're going to say, oh, probably the most prevalent belief in the United States right now is all you have to do is be a good person and you'll go to heaven. You can be a good Muslim. You can be. That's probably the most popular religion in all of the United States. Of most of the people that are sitting home today, most of them believe, you know, if I'm good, I'm going to go to heaven. That is not the truth. That is a lie from hell, and it will always be the lie from hell. My second point, Jesus said, I am the truth. No man No man, that means not one, not anybody, will come to the Lord except through me. So we have one way. See, one God. There's one God. His name is Jehovah. There's one God. He had one son. And that one son came and gave his one life for the sins of all. And there's only one way to heaven. That's through Him. That is the truth. 
That is the truth. The last point, Jesus said, and I am the life. Many people have already spoken this this morning. There is no life outside of Christ. I chased dreams as a young man, and I'm not going to give Satan any time in telling him how stupid I was when I was young, but believe me, there was many days when I chased everything but God. I sought satisfaction in everything but Jesus. I ran from a calling that was put on my life to preach the Word of God when I was a young man. And I ran from it with my whole heart. But God saw fit to bring me back to Him. God saw fit to bring me back to place His Word in my heart. And now there's nothing that I love more than to stand up here and tell the truth of the Word of God. There is one life. There is only one way to have peace. There is only one life that leads to fulfillment. There is only one way. And it's through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. When Pastor started talking about legacy, couldn't help I couldn't couldn't help but think about my legacy I was left and so actually there is going to be a seventh speaker this morning because my father was a godly man when he died He left a handwritten letter to each one of his children. And if I can get through it this morning, I'm going to read that to y'all this morning because I had a tremendous legacy. My father and mother were godly men and women. And this is the letter that he wrote. He titled it, A Father's Dreams and A Father's Hopes. He said, to my children and grandchildren, my beliefs. I believe that the Bible is God's holy word. If there are any mistakes in it, they're man-made. I believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. No other way to God except through Him. He said, I believe in my wife, who has been loving and faithful for many years. That's your mother and your grandmother. He said, I believe in children who are a gift from God and also grandchildren. I believe they are our heritage and it's such should be nurtured, disciplined, praised, and most of all, loved at all times both good and bad. Then he had a second part, said, my hopes. He said, I hope that you, your lives will be longer, richer, and more noble than mine has been. In parentheses, he said, I'm happy, no regrets. He said, I hope that you will always help to create pleasant memories in others' hearts so that you might be remembered. 
I hope you may always live honorably so that you may, might be honored. I hope that you might always live respectably so that you might be respected. And I hope that you will always share your love with others so that you might be loved in return. If you will do these things, you will live a noble life and the world will be a better place for your having been here. And it's signed, Pop. See, that's not a letter from the grave. That's a letter from a man who was praising Jesus this morning, looking at him face to face. It's a man that served like I want to serve. It's a man who left a legacy like I want to. You know, there's one thing about this chain. See, Jesus saying, a man who believes in me will never die. So with Jesus, you know, the chain really starts here and it never ends. It never ends. We go through an old age and, you know, I'm getting older and hurt all over and chronic and got the just man going and everything to try to hide the truth and the reality don't laugh. Some of you, I know you got it too. You got it going on too. But, you know, and we try to cover it up. And we try to, you know, live as long as we can, look as young as we can, be the best that we can. I just want to say to the next generation, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind and with all your strength the very first commandment will take you to eternity and eternal life in Jesus Christ thank you what a fitting way to Jesus.